Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the MMA Geek Sea Level Podcast. Nick, Bracha, and myself, Stan Drive, we are finally back. Had a couple of weeks of a hiatus after UFC on ESPN Plus 22, that snoozer between Blackwicks and Jacare. We're, of course, going to talk about UFC and ESPN 7 coming up this weekend, where Alistair Overeem goes up against Jarzinho Rosenstruck. Nikolai, it is good to hear your voice, buddy. How are you? I'm good, man. A little beat up. I handed in my manuscript, so I'm I'm excited uh, to get feedback, but tired. Um, but, you know, I'm good. That is goddamn exciting. You're, t- you're telling me you're done with the first draft of this book? Yeah, it turned into f- 500 pages, 144,000 words. Um, which I had, I had a lot that of collaborators. I probably, wrote, I probably wrote like 60,000 words. You had a lot of collaborators. Well, I'm still waiting for my request for collaboration, Nick. You're not. You're, my expertise in The Sopranos, it's it's out of this world, you're Nikolai. You're not Guido enough. No, I'm definitely not Guido enough. And I, and I have very little experience in anything relating to that. However, I have watched a lot of mob movies. And I'm in the middle of actually watching The Irishman for the last two or three weeks. That movie's like six hours Dude, long. You've got one, so si- I'm one kind of in sitting. The middle of that. One sitting. You turn the phone off. You sit there for three and a half hours. You give your kid some Benadryl and you just let it go. <laughs> well, the kid actually sleeps through the night, even though she's only three months old. But my wife, Nick, she keeps falling asleep. She likes the movie. But once she puts her head on my shoulder, once she lays down on the couch, like I know I have 10 minutes left of this movie. And then I have to pause it until the next time that we can get together and check this thing out. So I will get through the Irishman sooner or later. Congratulations, dude. I'm finishing that manuscript. Thanks, That's a big thanks. deal. I look forward to reading it. I look forward to purchasing it when it comes to book signings and all yeah, that shit. No, I, that, that'll be awesome. I'll pay you to come to book signings and make me sound important. But let's get on to... Uh, oh, you know, so we've got... It, uh, there's something else I want to talk about. I forgot to I forgot to mention this to you in our uh, in our Talk setup. to me, Nick. We're going to talk about uh, that miserable uh, Jan Blankovic-Jacare uh, fight. And we're going to talk about... Uh, UFC and ESPN 7 Overeem uh, against the dude his name I can never say but there's also a huge uh, Rosenstruck there's a huge hep- think of think of like a, a Jewish striker and you would name him Rosenstruck 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 yep, and Gildenstern got it so um, <laughs> there's Anthony Joshua against Ruiz uh, 2 on Saturday night I'm into that. I'm very, I'm very uh, excited. I, I, I am going to watch that, that on the zone because I subscribe to the zone. Nick, I haven't subscribed to the zone, and ever no, since no, no, Bellator Stan, that's switched not, that's, to the zone, how you say it? How do you say the zone? I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse. <laughs> to be fair. It's probably a goddamn good channel. It's just I've got my five dollar budget a month for ESPN Plus, and I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it there. The Zone hasn't necessarily brought in enough stuff for me to really be interested in. And in the meantime, maybe I could steal your password and check out the heavyweight main event after you're yeah, done. Or with you it. or you can maybe dole out an extra three hand jobs a week and subscribe. What? So are you are you are you asking for three hand no, jobs no, so that I can borrow your password? Your, no, Is that what I mean, in your side hustle. Oh, I see. I, I appreciate you mentioning that to all of the oh, public. I mean, you know. And by the way, there's always a massage. Your, pa- your Popeye wrists it, so. don't come from spinach. I, I really like to think of myself as a masseuse in that way, Nick. It's it's really that that's more of my specialty. What happens at the very end is almost inconsequential. But we do have to talk about this card between uh, Blackwitz and Jacare from a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Now it was a terrible main event. It was oh. boring as all heck. It was a split decision win for Jan Blackwicks, and I'm glad because I had some money on the guy. Look, I thought it was a fair decision. I thought Blackwicks earned probably four of the five rounds just because Jacare held him up against the fence in those first three rounds. The first round, he kind of did only that, and that's all that happened. Every every one of those other rounds, though, Blackwicks was able to land some damage on Souza in the moments that he wasn't being hugged up against the fence. So I always favor the damage, even if it's you know, not in my favor. It worked out in that case. Did you agree with the decision? Yeah. You did, yeah. Same yeah. page. So, yeah, yeah, I don't think we have to discuss that very deeply, I think. No. It was a terrible... I think it was a terrible card. I think the card was lousy beyond the uh, beyond the main event. I just think it was not a very good card. I agree, but we do have to mention just a couple of outliers on the card that I thought really had some special nights. We had Charles Oliveira knock the holy heck out of Jared Gordon with a first-round uppercut. 
spectacular performance. Charles Oliveira at this point in time, I think he has earned a place among the elite at 145. And I think it's time that he steps up and dives right back into that top seven, top six pool in that division. I think, look, mentally, I hope that he's in a better place than he was because most of the fights that he lost was because of a lack of mental strength, if you ask me. He's definitely improved his striking to a different league now. When he gets hit, he doesn't necessarily crumble or implode, and that's a good sign. We know that he's extremely dangerous on the ground. He always has been. He's a prolific submission grappler. But now he's really putting it together on the feet, using his height, using his range, serious power on his knees and his hands, really good timing, excellent counters. He's really put it together. I think there's a benefit in his case to starting this fight game at such a young age. And now in his mid to late 20s, he's really come into his own as an ultra dangerous fighter. I would love to see him fight some top guys next. What about you, man? Yeah, well, who do you want to... Who do you want to see him fight next? I would have no issue with him fighting maybe the loser of the Holloway uh, Volkanov fight. And uh, I think that's too much. Volkanovsky, too excuse me. Yeah. Maybe you're right, but but Volkanovsky's like a few fights into his UFC career and he's getting a title shot. Oliveira, like, he's got arguably higher quality wins outside of Jose Aldo, of course. That's a legendary win, and you can't dispute that, even though it wasn't much of a fight. Uh, but I, I just feel like Oliveira, skill-wise, he's absolutely up there. And for him to fight Volkanovski, I don't think there would be anything wrong with that. He's already fought Max Holloway, and it was some weird esophageal phantom tear that happened to him in the middle of the fight, and he kind of just gave in, alluding back to the days when he had a lot of issues putting his mental game together. But I, I do. I think he's ready for anybody. If he's not ready yeah. now, he will never I, be. Absolutely. I want to see him fight uh, Moicano or Burgos. I think those are the fights. Oh, or I'm maybe, very into Or, or maybe Yair Rodriguez. I would love any one of those three. Nick, there's a reason that I'm the expert picker and expert bet placer here, and you are excellent at making these matchmaking. Uh, when the UFC's uh, new Joe Silva retires, I expect that you will be primed to take over. Sean, Sean Shelby? <laughs> Yeah, Sean Shelby. Um, I should have probably said, known listen, that. Listen, Mr. Expert Picker, you beat me this. You beat me in like the last card by a half a point. So it's you know, it's not like you know you're, you're the amazing Kreskin and I'm Pee Wee Herman over here. Well, I've probably got. Close. I've probably beaten you in, in like five of the last six events, and the one event that you beat me in, you also beat me by half a point. So I don't know if I would necessarily make that argument if I was you. That was your only victory recently, buddy. But they're cl- but I lose close. Nick, points. what just happened right now between you and I verbally is a knockdown. I just knocked you down. Well, I'm going to do something too when we're picking our UFC on ESPN 7 uh, fighters. that Blast through uh, double leg, I'm, Nick? I'm, I'm, I've got... What's that? Is it going to be a blast through double leg? You're just going to blast through me, I, put me on I my got, back. I know... Uh, let's put it this way. I... Uh, I think I can get oh, through. Oh, my guard's actually very difficult to pass, but it's been years since I have grappled. So, you it know, it was what? a metaphor, a you, you clown. A metaphor. Move, move on. Let's talk more about this awful card. And the, and, and I think much, you just knocked me back money, down, Nick. How much money? <laughs> how much money? You oh, made. It, was a, it was a damn good night for my bets. I, I do want to quickly mention Wellington Terman, who I think is a, you know, proven himself to be a pretty good prospect, a good pressure fighter with a good ground game. James Krause, who put it all together again to beat another Brazilian in Brazil over Sergio Moraes. Uh, well, he retired Ramos. He retired the he, man. Oh, did he? I did not realize he retired. That's actually um, a little bit Wait, I don't, either he got cut or retired. Let me oh, see. yeah. I, ha- I haven't heard any of the above. It's, it's unfortunate. I think Moraes is a likable guy, and he might be a good kind of mid-level gatekeeper at this point in his career, given his age and all of that. But, yeah, it's a shame. He was released. He was released. He was okay. released on the 25th. I, I think that's understandable. Like it or not, you you, you kind of have to you kind of have to see where the UFC is coming from there. Uh, quickly, Ricardo Ramos got a first round knockout over Eduardo Garagori. Really, oh, I'm sorry, first round rude naked choke. Really nice performance. Garagori gives up takedowns, even though he's dynamic standing up. It makes sense. Uh, Randy Brown. I definitely want to talk about him quickly here. Way, 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 way. You're jumping ahead. You're jumping. Talk ahead. to me. I successfully picked. Francesco Trinaldo to defeat Bobby Green. Yeah, yeah, you, you're right. You did. We we both picked Trinaldo, and um, to be honest with you, initially, I, I to, initially <laughs> I thought that Trinaldo didn't deserve to win. But I mean, just hearing some experts talk about it, it sounds like it was a closer fight than I realized. Maybe I need to rewatch it. I'm open to the idea that I may have been mistaken. I just thought it was fairly clear that Trinaldo lost 
uh, that decision to Bobby Green. But yeah, you did pick up that victory. We both had that pick. We actually, Nick, uh, throughout all of our picks, we were undefeated. The only blemish on either of our records, and we both favored Mauricio Shogun Hua over Paul, over Paul Craig. The only blemish on either of our records is that that fight ended up being a split draw. Uh, Hua won rounds two and three. Clearly, Paul Craig won round one. I think uh, one or two of the judges gave it to him 10-8, and that's why we ended up with the draw. But yeah, really good night of picks for us, Nick. We we picked every fight correctly, and obviously we couldn't predict the draw, but we, we did really well in this one. So I think we have something to be proud of there. Um, and yeah, you're right. I had a great night with my bets, Nick. It was hundreds of dollars, which I can always appreciate. This is actually one of my better nights as far as uh, the the, perc- the win percentage. So I placed a bet uh, on Randy Brown, $70 at plus 100, 170 on that. I won $70 on Wellington Terman by placing 70 bucks on him at plus 100. I put down a parlay of Douglas Dondrage and Mauricio Hua, and that ended up being a win, but a much smaller victory than I would have liked. I bet 50 bucks, and I probably won like 20 or $30 on that one. I put a parlay down on Oliveira and Kraus, $42 to win 60, and that was another victory. And finally, Nick, I put Randy Brown, who I placed an individual bet on, and Wellington Terman in a parlay, put 20 bucks on those two guys, and won 60. So just on those two fights, uh, the Brown and Terman wins, I ended up netting $200 on just those two fights. And then I picked up another 60, so that's $260, about 285 bucks and wins. Every single bet hit for me, Nick. It's rare that that happens really to any better. So a really, really good night for me. Very proud of it, very excited. It wasn't an entertaining night, like as far as the fights went, right? But I was so jumping out of my seat after a lot of these results because of my betting. The betting can really make it a lot more exciting, man. It makes a difference. So what, wait, how did I, well, first of all, congratulations on being able to go to Outback Steakhouse. I hope that you had a delicious meal with your- Nick, with, it was spectacular. You had a blooming onion? No, in all, in all seriousness, Nick, not only have I never been to an Outback Steakhouse, but I'm not sure that I necessarily want to go. Maybe oh, yeah. one of these days you'll take me. I've- uh... I don't think I've ever been either. Maybe on like a work event or something. I was just uh, I decided to do a riff on the "We Go and Sizzler" joke from White Men Can't Jump, and I was like, "We don't really have Sizzler anymore, so perhaps Dan <laughs> would go to Outback Steakhouse." But you don't need to. It's funny you know... you mentioning it. You mentioning Outback Steakhouse in two episodes in a row. Granted, a few weeks apart. Wait, I mentioned. Uh, it, I, I figured I you had a sponsor last episode. Yeah, you literally talked about how if I win two hundred dollars on that Wellington Terman. And Brown. So, yeah, you literally recognize that wasn't the even, same joke. That, that wasn't even a callback. I'm just like a forgetful old person who only has one joke. All right, but I am, for the record, suspicious. In case you do have an Outback Steakhouse sponsorship, Nick, I want a piece of that shit. Okay. All right, man. So, uh, wait, what did I bet? What did you? I actually don't have it in front of me, Nikolai. We might have to. I don't know why I don't have it in my notes. I normally do. We we might have to go back and, and listen, and maybe we'll update everyone on the next card as far as your betting. I feel like you may have placed a couple of bets on that one. Uh, but for the record, you and I picked every fight correctly, so you must have won as well. Yeah. I just don't uh, know where your bets were. I can't remember if I bet on I – th- I think I might have bet on Shogun. But anyway, let's uh, let's proceed to the – UFC um, on ESPN seven. Yeah, we're gonna take a quick break. Yeah, well, let's talk about let's talk about the boxing match real quick. What do you who do you, who do you pick? Who you got, Joshua or Ruiz? Um, I've got Ruiz. I think Joshua's chin is not nearly good enough to be a top flight heavyweight for a long period of time, and he doesn't fight safely enough not to get hit like Klitschko did. Um, Klitschko right. was at the very tail end of his career and Klitschko hadn't knocked people down in a long time before he knocked Joshua down once or twice in their thrilling, uh, 12 round bout in which Joshua took the title. And I just feel like his chin is not great. And Ruiz hits incredibly hard. Ruiz is also yeah. very quick. Now, yeah. obviously Joshua is going to have the opportunity now to actually train for Ruiz as opposed to getting him as a last minute replacement. So that's a good sign. And it's a bigger fight in this case, which is great. But I've got to favor Ruiz's power and the confidence that he took from that last bout. What do you think? Exactly the same. I'm picking Ruiz in five. Um, I just, even when he wasn't landing flush, like Joshua, I, he, like Ruiz was just, he rat, he rattled him. He really, um, once, once he broke 
Anthony Joshua's composure in the third. The composure never. I agree. Once he knocked him down that first time, they weren't like they were almost like weird. They were almost weird kind of knockdowns. Like he didn't get, he just didn't get his equilibrium uh, back. I just think he knocked him silly. And Ruiz, like he just charges through. He's so fast, and he, uh, he, you know, he just gets in there and he throws so many punches that I don't think. I don't think Joshua is sort of crafty, um, crafty enough in his in his defense. So I feel like it'll be a lot like the first. I mean, an argument can be made that Joshua was doing pretty good, and then he got the knock. Then he knocked down Ruiz, and Ruiz took that knockdown pretty well. Like he didn't, he you know his eye. He was very lucid when he hit the canvas, and he he took the count and got up. Like it hurt him, but he was okay. And I think it, Joshua got overconfident. So, uh, and then that led to, you know, the disaster. So I don't, I, I just, I think, I just think Ruiz is going to be more confident um, and he's going to let those hands fly again. I think it's, and I think it's more likely they find a destination than don't over time. Yeah. We're on the same page on that one. I think the only argument, like the main argument that I could think of in favor of Joshua here is that we know we've seen time and again in MMA and often enough in boxing as well, that last minute replacement, it can really mess with your head. It can mess with your planning. It can mess with your training. It's affected a lot of guys, even if they're clearly the big favorites, even if they're on paper, the much more skilled guy, um, they can end up either looking pretty mediocre or losing that kind of fight to that last minute replacement, even though the last right. re- minute replacement guy didn't really have the chance to train fully. So there, there is an argument to be made that maybe having proper time to prepare for Ruiz, given all the resources that Joshua has available to him, that he can figure him out and he can uh, keep himself safe. I just feel like his chin has failed him time and again. I know that he gets up. I know that he was undefeated until this fight, but you can't keep getting knocked down, knocked down time after time, no matter what level of opponent you're fighting and expect to have a long Title reign is just not going to work out that way, especially in a division where everybody's punch can knock just about anybody out. So, yeah, very much on the same page on that one with you. Now, can I ask you quickly, do you want to just give me the your Dawson login now uh, while we're recording so I can just jot it down and we can move on? I'm not going to let the good people at DAZN uh, believe that I am one who shares my password. So we'll discuss that. Perhaps I will let you FaceTime me while I watch it so that you can view my screen through your screen kind of bullshit is that that's what friends do nick i would give you my social security number forget my dozen passwords i already have your social security number how do you think i got this new mx (laughs) oh well that actually explains a lot my credit rating has been going down and this makes a whole lot of sense i didn't order a trampoline are you using that mx to pay for the dozen that you refuse to share with me no that would be irony but um that would be credit irony Let's uh, for a dozen of <laughs> or for our dozen of listeners, I think we should roll into UFC on ESPN seven. We're both a little punchy after a couple weeks off. Um, Speak for yourself, sir. I am feeling quite clear headed. Let's take a break. <laughs> We're going to come back and talk about UFC on ESPN <laughs> seven, where Jarzinho Rosenstruck gets his first major fight in the UFC against a top five guy in Alistair Overeem. We'll be right back, folks. Back in your life with the MMA Geek C-Level Podcast, Nick Braccia, Stan Jarev, talking about UFC on ESPN7, Overeem versus Rosenstruck. Nico, motherfucking lie. We have our draft pick system that we're going to go through. I actually don't remember which one of us went first last week, Nick. Do you? Or a couple of weeks ago, I, I should say. I don't. I don't remember. You haven't been faring so great lately, Nick. I'm going to go ahead and give you the first pick on this one. Ah, oh, that's very generous of you. But that means you've fallen into my trap. God damn it. Because my first pick is going to be the Uzbek hero, Mahmoud Muradov, to defeat Trevor Smith. I am taking your minus 420 favorite countryman from you, Stan. God damn it, Nick. God damn it. <laughs> I agree. On, uh, I, I agree on the pick. That was actually going to be my second pick, so I'm glad I'll still be able to make my first. Um, yeah, it's 
Muradov is dynamic. He's fast. He has great footwork, really good striking, hard to get a hold of for a takedown. It's a little bit concerning that in his UFC debut, he got tired in that third round, but he took that fight on very short notice. However, he also took this fight on relatively short notice against Trevor Smith, who was coming back after a year hiatus. Really slow, uh, pretty decent wrestler. He can he can drag a lot of guys down if he can get a hold of them. I'm not sure that he can drag Muradov down, but I can see Trevor's uh, pressure eventually wearing on Muradov and maybe Muradov losing another third round. So we're on the same page on this one. Any uh, any comments to make about the matchup? No, you know, um, I agree with everything you said, but I seriously just looked at how heavily he was favored and knew that it might hurt you a little bit because he was from Uzbekistan. <laughs> that I wanted to, I wanted to, this is more about me taking him away from you than picking him for myself. God damn it, Nick. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> but, but also, again, uh, given given the fact that I haven't really seen Muradov against a solid wrestler, uh, I know that Trevor Smith is significantly slower, but he does have the skill to take him down. So that's part of the reason I had this as my second and not first pick, that and the fact that Muradov took it on short notice. But, well, uh, we'll yeah, see, we're, uh, we're on the same we'll page. See, we'll see. And, of course, I'll look, I mean, I'll, you know, I'll look like a complete moron if I, lo- if I lose that pick. Nick, I think but, but whether or not you lose that the pick, there, there there is an argument to be made that you are some level of moron. We both are, actually. You seem like you got your shit together, but that's a different podcast. Let's, uh, well, I'm what do really you got? good who's at your, making who's... it seem that way. So <laughs> my first pick, Nick, is actually the very first one that I have on my list. It's going to be Tim Means to uh, rough up Tiago Alves over the course of three rounds. Tiago Alves is pretty decent fighter i guess he's like super experienced he's a fraction of his former self and also he's fighting in a very different era than back when he was in his prime tim means isn't isn't uber athletic he hits hard he's fast he's going to be way taller in this matchup and he's in a better place in his career he might be kind of approaching the end of his prime but tiago avez is on the tail end of his prime i think the argument could be made so i've got tim means as my very first pick interesting i um I also was going to go with means, but I do think the line should be closer on this. You do. I think you might be a homer for Tiago Alves a little bit. Maybe plus two twenty five, but I've also seen I've also seen means not you know he hasn't he hasn't been that active and he's gotten clocked a few times. Um, but I think you're I, I think you're probably right. Um, yeah. My second pick is I'm going to pick Joe Selecki over Matt Wyman. And this is really a case of like Wyman's. I just thought I knew it. I knew he had been off. Uh, he had been out for a really, really long time. But I did not think. Um, I didn't think that Wyman looked good at all uh, in his um, last bout. I'm trying to look up who that was against. He made his uh, UFC return after a few years off against Luis Pena, and yeah, he got roughed up and finished in the third round of that one. Yeah, he did not. He looked like he, you know, he uh, missed too many steps. And he's going up against a guy who got a finish on the Contender series, um, who's who's finished um, two of his last or uh, three of his last four wins or four of his last five wins. Um, and you know, he got he had he was knocked out a little over a year ago uh, by Nicholas Moda, um, who I believe is a is a hard hitter out of. Uh, out of Brazil, but I just don't, I don't think Wyman's, I think he's past his prime and, and probably isn't at the UFC level. So this may be a winnable fight for him, but I just, I just think he's aged, he's aged out of the UFC is my opinion. Yeah. Matt Wyman coming back at age 36 after taking a whopping five years off, Nick, or maybe four and a half years off. Maybe he Joe Lozon's this guy. Maybe he Joe Lozon's this kid. Like I don't. It's possible. Yeah. I, it, it's the guy possible, is making his UFC but, debut. But if a yeah, but if a guy got a win on the content, I gotta believe that anybody who gets a win on the contender series and can probably beat um, this version of Matt Wyman. I don't know. I I still think the contender series thing is overrated. It all depends on who they match him up with. I do think they match up prospects versus each other generally, but. I you know I'm still not sold on the fact that like a kid comes in from the contender series and he's a real world beater. I think uh, kid's yeah, got yeah. a lot to prove, and that could have been like a local show main event that he just won or a co-main event that he just won coming into the UFC, not in front of Dana's eyes. Granted, the pressure makes a difference. The fact that the winner of a contender series bout was in front of some big names: Sean Shelby, uh, Michael Bisping, 
Dana White. So there is something to be said about that. I, I do agree with that portion of it. But uh, I hear you there. Yeah, Matt Wyman looks so bad that it's hard to argue with the idea that he's going to get schooled here. Even though Joe Selecki's making his UFC debut, I do favor Joe Selecki as well. And that was going to be my very next pick, so we're on the same page on that one as right. well, Nick. My next pick is going to be Virna Janjaroba over Mallory Martin. Now, Virna came in to her UFC debut and ended up losing to the highly heralded Carla Esparza. I'm still you know, a believer in Carla. I think she's a solid prospect beater. Uh, she's got a bunch of surprise wins, and she often gets underrated. But she was able to get that clear-cut victory over Janjaroba. Janjaroba now coming into her second UFC bout against the UFC debuting Mallory Martin. I like Janjaroba in the matchup, even though she's a little bit shorter. Mallory Martin relies on takedowns to win her fights. I don't think she'll have the grappling or the wrestling advantage in this matchup in particular. Even though Verna is not all that great standing up, I'm not sure that Mallory will be able to keep it standing long enough. And I don't know that Mallory's really much better than her on the feet, so much so that she'd be able to really take advantage of that deference there. So I'm giving the edge to the Brazilian in this matchup. What are your thoughts? Um, more or less uh, on the same page as you. I also I had also picked uh, Virna. Um, next was she one of your next couple of picks though? Uh, like middle middle of the, like yeah. I mean she's not far down. Maybe in the next three picks. Got it. Um, I'm gonna go out on a limb here and pick. A fight where the odds are pretty close. I think Ben Rothwell is going to uh, win a decision over Stefan Struve. Um, I know Rothwell, I believe he's 0-2 since he's come back. But he's notoriously difficult to finish. And Struve has not looked great in a long, long time. And I also think that just generally speaking, Ben Rothwell is a more, is a busier fighter um, than Stefan Struve. And I think he'll... Um, probably be able to um, out-grapple and, uh, and even beat up Struve in the clinch a little bit. Um, I just think, I think Rothwell probably has more in the tank. Yeah, um, there with you on the pick. That was actually one of my next couple of picks as well. Even though the odds are quite a bit closer than I think they should be. In fact, I will definitely be recommending a bet on Ben Rothwell uh, in the next segment. I just think that Struve is a fraction of his former self, and he's shown it in his last several performances. Even in his last win, he was dominated in the first round by a guy that's known for gassing out. And then once that guy gassed out, Struve was able to end up on top, eventually caught a submission. Um, you know, he even the fights that he won earlier in his UFC career when he was in his prime, he'd be roughed up for a couple of rounds before he catches a Hail Mary finish. I don't expect him to be able to do that against Rothwell. As you mentioned, Rothwell is very difficult to finish. Um, hasn't been finished in many, many years. I think Andre Arlovsky back in Affliction FC might have been the last time, something like eight or nine years ago that he was finished. Um, and he was, you know, a very young fighter at the time. Ben Rothwell is not what he used to be. He's not very fast. Uh, and he doesn't seem to be nearly as much of a finisher, hit as hard as he did in his prime. I know there were a couple of steroid or, or performance enhancement uh, suspensions in his career in the past. I wonder if maybe he's off the sauce now, and that's why he's a lot less explosive. But I do favor him over Struve, who was never truly that great, and when he was good, he's like a fraction of that version of himself now. So definitely, never definitely learned favoring. It. Never learned how to jab. <laughs> no joke, especially for a guy who's got a reach advantage over absolutely everyone that he's ever fought. You're not kidding, man. There's so many aspects of his game that I think he could have done something with had he been at an elite camp. He's just an example of wasted talent and somebody who's been knocked out and beat up to the point now where even at, like, I think he's 31 or something, he's, you know, he looks and fights like he's a man in his 40s. It's it's disappointing to see, but it is what it is. Um, so, yeah, same page on that one with you. That was going to be one of my next couple of picks. I'm going to pick next up, Nick, uh, Song Yadong over Cody Stamen. Song Yadong... This is actually a matchup that I initially thought was very close, and I started watching tape. And even in watching their performances, each of them fought uh, Perez in, in their last bouts. And Song Yadong was able to just look pretty spectacular against them, just landed at will every time he wanted to, and then landed that knockout blow about the midpoint of that first round. Whereas Cody Stamen, who fought Alejandro Perez 
uh, back in March. You know, it, it was a bit of a ho-hum fight. Not a whole lot was happening. When he was getting semi-takedowns, Perez was able to get back up to his feet. I expect that Song Yudong isn't going to be able to do that as well. I like that Song Yudong trains a team alpha male, and Cody Stamen is basically a prototype of a team alpha male fighter. I do think Cody Stamen's a talented, explosive guy, and I do think that if he can get consistent takedowns here and for some reason be able to hold down Yudong, he'll be able to win the fight. But I'm going to favor Yudong's explosive power, his excellent timing. Um, he's got 100% takedown defense in the UFC thus far. Granted, he hasn't fought any solid wrestlers, and Cody Stamen is exactly that. He's a solid wrestler. Uh, I do favor Yudong, but I can see ways for Stamen to possibly sneak a win there. What do you think? Yeah, I actually, I also have Yudong. Um, I, uh, I've picked against him before and was unsuccessful. I'm not going to pick against him again. Never been a big fan of or a big uh, believer in Stamen. Or or most fighters named uh you know named Cody. I thought that if I remember correctly, I thought that Caraway should have gotten the decision. I've got to go back and look at that, but um, you know, doesn't have in my estimation uh, a real terrific uh you know signature win. Um, I like I like Yudong um uh consider considerably more. Um, my next yeah, I, I do. I do want to quickly mention that Stamen is actually ten and one at one hundred and thirty-five pounds, and Song is on a seven-fight win streak. So both guys really have been looking almost untouchable. And quickly to your point, uh, according to MMA decisions, the majority of MMA journalists had Caraway edging that fight uh, over Cody Stamen, yeah, twenty-nine twenty-eight. So thanks that's for a good thanks point, for yeah. looking that up quickly because I, I remember I remember I remember watching that and being like, I don't think so. Um, yeah, I'm picking the main event, man. I'm picking the main event right now. It's, Go for uh, it. Now the uh, uh, Alistair Overeem is favored on most lines. Some people have it fair, like have it as a pick'em, but um, Overeem is at minus one twenty, and Rosenstrike is at plus one hundred. I think um, Overeem is going to play exactly the same role that he did. Uh, for Francis Ngannou and B. Rosenstrike's um, real coming out party. When you look at the number of minutes or even seconds that Rosenstrike's been in the cage this year and the number of heavyweights that he's rendered unconscious with na- with like nary a, f- like a full clean um, highlight reel shot, I do not... I do not think Alistair Overeem is going to put him to sleep before he gets touched. And when Overeem gets touched, he is going to go to sleep. Not that I don't like Overeem. Not that I don't think he's been craftier and adapted. And had a pretty good uh, even third act, you could say, following his ream of like overconfident. Uh, you know, his, uh, He had a couple of times he got knocked out basically due to his own overconfidence. Uh, and he rebounded from that um, up until you know the Ngannou uh, flattening, but I think I think this Rosenstrike guy is for real, uh, and I just think some people have psycho murderous power, and all he has to do is touch him, and he'll touch him. Yeah, he definitely has psycho murderous power. There's no <laughs> doubt. It just seems like it just seems like as soon as he touches. A guy's chin, a guy drops. But so far, the people that he's touched are in the UFC, at least, are Junior Albini, Alan Crowder, and Andre Arlovsky. Now, Albini and Crowder are pretty mediocre overall. And despite that, Junior Albini was able to take him down and dominate him in the first round. Dominated him positionally. Now, Rosenstruck, to his credit, stayed calm, stayed relaxed, uh, Defended just enough and got back up to his feet at some points, just enough to get something going. And he clearly was looking for that left high kick, and he got it eventually and finished Albini in the second round. Um, Alan Crowder just ran right into a jab. Andre Arlovsky ran right into a counter left hook. So I think that, you know, it's a little bit early to be brandishing Jair Rosenstruck as the next Francis Ngannou. But Overeem did lose in the first round to Francis Ngannou by basically running into a big strike. I do agree with you there. But two fights later, he fought Sergei Pavlovich. Sergei Pavlovich, who since then has been looking pretty spectacular, was 12-0 leading into that fight with a bunch of knockouts. Since that Alistair Overeem loss, he scored two first-round knockouts. So he's got that kind of power as well, right? There's the argument to be made. And by the way, 
if you ask me, over a higher level of competition with Maurice Green. And Marcel Gomes is not that great, granted. But Maurice Green is a pretty solid prospect, in my opinion. He was able to knock him out in the first, um, really put it on him. Uh, what Overeem did against him was he essentially stayed really safe on the feet, stayed at a distance, and then literally just pushed his way into the clinch, eventually got a takedown. And once he gets that takedown, he's pretty nasty from up top. I think his ground and pound is one of the most solid parts of his game. I just think there's such a huge disparity on the ground game. And Overeem certainly has high-level kickboxing skill, right, to potentially defend against Rosenstruck or at least stay out of danger. And there's a huge disparity on the ground. So I think Overeem just needs one takedown to finish this fight. And maybe I'm not giving Rosenstruck enough credit, but I disagree with this one in particular, Nick. So I'm glad you made the pick. We'll see what happens. So my next pick, Nikolai, um, is going to be Billy Quarantillo over Jacob Kilburn. Now, I know Kilburn uh, ended up taking this fight on fairly short notice. I think something like four days. He's actually a pretty good stand-up fighter, has a good flow to him, got a couple of clean knockouts. Um, I think he's got like a karate and a judo background, among other things. Billy Quarantillo, however, came in, and I think the only fight I was able to watch of him was on the Dana White Contender Series, and he kind of got dominated positionally on the ground against a pretty good opponent in the first round. And then in the second round, once he was able to get his pressure going, he just just kept going, kept throwing, kept throwing heavy, hard shots uh, at his opponent, who was uh, Kamaula Kirk. Ended up TKOing him in the third round. By the end of that second round, man, Kirk wanted nothing to do with that. And Kirk was 92 going into that bout. Again, this is the only matchup I was able to see of his, unfortunately. He's not super athletic. He's not super fast. But, man, is he relentless with his pressure. He's actually, from what I understand, a training partner of Matt Frivola, who I really enjoy the pressure game of as well. Um, I'm going to favor him in this matchup. He's a big favorite. I think it should be closer because Jacob Kilburn is a pretty skilled guy. But I do have uh, the something like minus 320 favorite uh, Quarantillo in Quarantillo. this match. Yeah. Yep. Um, I echo echo everything you say there. All right. Well, here's where it's going to get a little bit tricky. I'm going to yeah, go Yeah, the, the rest with... of these are pickums, if you ask me. Yeah, I like... Uh, I'm going to pick Aspen Ladd over Yana Kunitskaya. Um, I like Ladd. I felt like, yeah, she got banged up against Yurandami, but Yurandami's like really big and uh i think a top level fighter i still i still like at lad i don't know if she'll win this fight i mean she's favored i like her style i think that she's tough um i don't think that kunis guy is is near the level of gerandomy um so i think that lads uh i mean hopefully her pressure um and her ability to like land shots and dirty box will uh will kind of get her get her the victory here. I think she'll make the fight. I think she'll make the fight like ugly, messy and tougher is what I think is going to happen. Yeah, so it seems like they're very similar size these two girls at 5 foot 6. They do have a common opponent in uh at least in the UFC. Actually, they have two common opponents in Tony Avenger and Lena Landsberg and Kunitskaya has a loss to Avenger and a win over Landsberg, a decision win whereas Ladd has finished wins over both Landsberg and Evinger. I I do agree with you on the pick and this was a really tough one for me. I watched quite a bit of tape because I was trying to figure out who I favor in this one. I do like the fact that Yana Kunitskaya, much like Nina Ansaroff, these 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 Russian girls who are dating badass Brazilian fighters. Kunitskaya of course dating Tiago Silva. Oh, I'm sorry, Tiago Alves. Um, I, I think there's something to that pairing. There's something to the fact that Tiago is not considered one of the better fighters in the world at 205, and and Kuniskaya is consistently training with him at Extreme Couture. I think there's oh, a love. Oh, you mean she's wait? She's dating Tiago Santos. Uh, yeah, did I say yeah? Tiago Santos. I apologize. I probably out. said like four different Tiagos before I came to Santos on your suggestion. Yeah. Um, she's dating Santos, who, again, is, is one of the better guys in the world at this point in his career. I know he's taking a big involvement in her training. If you follow her Instagram, at least that's the indication you get. Um, so I, I do I do find this to be very much a pick and fight. But I I feel like Kunitskaya is not much of a kickboxer. She's okay standing up. Lad is pretty hittable standing up, too. Both of these girls uh, prefer the ground game to get their victories. Kuniskaya tends to go to a decision after a somewhat competitive bouts, whereas Ladd, once she gets on top, man, she just yells her way 
into a ground and pound finisher almost every time. She's nasty from up there. Um, and so I, I'm going to favor her because I think she'll do more damage when she's on top, even though I could see this being kind of like a back and forth bout that ends up being fairly close. I do like her intensity for the win here, but she did get knocked out in her last fight. Um, she shouldn't be in a whole lot of danger of getting knocked out against Kunitskaya. So I agree with the pick, but very, very tough one for me to make as well. And there's a reason that's one of our last three picks, even though Aspen Ladd is a minus 150 favorite. Uh, my next picnic is going to be another female fight on the card. I'm going to take Cynthia Calvillo, the underdog at plus 110 over Marina Rodriguez. Marina Rodriguez is looked pretty solid in the UFC, and she's still technically undefeated. But she did have that draw against someone who's got kind of like a poor man's version of Cynthia Calvillo's style in Randa Marcos. Granted, that was her UFC debut. That first round, Marcos just dominated, was able to get a takedown, that head and arm throw that she gets on everybody, dominated from up top. Cynthia Cavillo is a much better wrestler than Marcos or Jessica Aguilar or Tisha Torres. And those are, of course, Rodriguez's three UFC opponents. She was able to piece up Tisha Torres, but since then we found out Tisha Torres is going through like serious depression and, and all kinds of issues. And Tisha Torres going into that bout was on a three-fight losing streak. Now, on a four-fight losing streak, right? Jessica Aguilar was at the very bottom of her career when she fought her as well. So I just feel like the people that Rodriguez has beaten are not very high level at all, whereas Cynthia Calvillo has fought Courtney Casey, who's decent. She's not spectacular, but she has some decent wins over some decent opposition. Uh, she was able to shut out Botelho with a first-round rear naked choke, who... Granted, was overrated. She's been in there against Carlos Barza. She beat Joanne Calderwood. She beat Pearl Gonzalez and Amanda Cooper before then. I just feel like Montana De La Rosa, excuse me, before then and LFA. I just feel like her overall level of competition has been higher. The fact that she will have uh, the opportunity for takedowns, the fact that she trains with Team Alpha Male and Tiger Muay Thai, two of the better camps, if you ask me, for the little guys in the world. I favor Cynthia Cavijo as the underdog, and I'm also going to recommend a pick on her in the next segment. Nick, what do you think? Um, I agree with everything that you said on that one. I know I'm agreeing with a lot of what you're saying tonight, but that's just the darn truth. And you left me, let me mark that one down for you. You left me with a tough one. Yes, sir. But I am, and it's going to, my, my, my analysis uh, or my prediction for what's going to happen here is going to echo yours in that. Uh, Rob Font is one and one in his last two fights, but he's been in against there, been in there with and been successful against some, you know, some top 15, possibly top 10 uh, competition. And he's he's fought kind of a, a murderer's row, like looking at, uh, well, a Sun Sao, Sergio Pettis, Pedro Munoz, John Lineker. Those are some, you know, Douglas Silva de Andrade. Those are some hitters, right? And when you know, and he lost a decision to Sun Sao, which almost everyone ever has done. Um, but he's, I mean, he's good. He's a real good fighter. And Ricky Simone hasn't fought that level of competition yet with his, you know, wins over Chico Camus and Ronnie Aya, um, and a couple couple of other guys. But nobody, um, you know, quite well. He has that win over Marab uh, Davalishvili. Um, but he had, you know, he was, which is a pretty solid, it's one. pretty solid, but it was in his second UFC fight after already losing to Frankie science. So I think it, and I, I also have to wonder about where he's at, uh, psychologically because six months ago, five and a half, six months ago, he lost in 46 seconds, uh, to a 40 year old guy coming out of retirement. So I'm thinking about two things. I'm thinking about fonts been in there with a lot of killers and had pretty good success. And Simone is still figure, you know, is still finding his footing in in my opinion and got floored by in a in a fight where he was favored uh by many um against Uriah Faber. So if he is if he's tentative at all, I think Font's going to smell it and just you know, go um just just go at him. Um, I think even all things considered the best Ricky Simone walks in there. I think you're talking about a very close fight and possible split decision coming off of that favor, uh, knockout. I, I gotta go with font. Yeah. Um, so I disagree with this pick as well. And this is another one that I had somewhat of a hard time with 
mainly because of the knockout loss that Ricky Simone is coming off of. Now, what part of what made me decide on Simone is the fact that he wasn't knocked out clean. It was he was his equilibrium was kind of messed with as Faber landed this right hand out of nowhere in the first few seconds of their bout, and then he kind of stumbled and kind of killed over a little bit, and Faber landed a couple of strikes, and the fight was stopped arguably early. It was kind of a weird one. Um, so I'm not necessarily convinced that he's, his chin is going to get touched and he's going to drop, although Font has an excellent right hand, a really, really good jab, and he's going to have a decent height advantage in the matchup. What I like about Ricky Simone is that in his last in his UFC career thus far, the man has 11, 13 takedowns in three fights, Nick. Four takedowns in his last fight against Hani Yaya, who's a jiu-jitsu super expert, and seven takedowns in his fight before that against Montel Jackson, who, in my opinion, Montel Jackson, very similar style matchup as Rob Font. Very similar height, also has serious power in his hands, but he couldn't prevent those takedowns. And even though he landed more on Ricky Simone, Simone's seven takedowns were going to get that victory for him, and that's what happened. For that reason, and the fact that Rob Font is, you know, you can take the guy down. He was taken down three times in his last two fights, for example. Um, on top of the fact that he's given up a few takedowns in his UFC career before that. So I just feel like Ricky Simone's going to have that advantage, even though I am a little bit concerned about his hit ability and the fact that he kind of lunges in with that left hook. And I can see Rob Font game planning for it, catching him with the right hand on his way in. I'm going to favor Ricky Simone, again, mainly because of his wrestling advantage in the matchup. Are you trying to get me to change my pick? Hell no, man. But again, this was this was a really close one for me. This was a tough not, pick for I'm me not, to make. I'm not. Cha- I'm not changing my pick. Uh, Nick, if you change your pick because of my opinion, it's only right. Let's face it. I'm. I, I'm, I'm not. The, uh, I'm not changing my pick. You can do it, Nick. I, I would understand if you rely on my expertise over your own. I'm not changing my pick. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. All right. For my final pick, Nikolai. This is a really, really tough one. I think there's a damn good reason. It's the last one uh between our picks it's it's the one that we've been avoiding this entire time the matchup between Bryce Mitchell and Matt Matt Sales um Bryce Mitchell is like he's relentless right mentally he's not very bright he's actually really entertaining to listen to if you ever hear one of his interviews but he has this just relentless kind of like no matter what I'm going to keep trying I'm going to keep coming at you he's got that almost Diego Sanchez level of intensity and maybe a slightly higher IQ. And he's undefeated so far. He's got some pretty decent wins in his UFC career to this point. Uh, his last one being against Bobby Muffett. And he was able to out, you know, outgrapple him. I think Bobby Muffett actually got all the takedowns in the bout, but he was able to turn him over and get top position. He's a good grappler. He's pretty decent standing, even though it doesn't look like he's doing a whole lot fundamental. He's fairly athletic, even though he doesn't look very athletic. He's a fascinating character, this Bryce Mitchell guy. Having said that, I'm going to pick Matt Sales in this one with a lot of trepidation. I feel like Matt Sales is so smooth on the feet, and he's going to be difficult to get a hold of uh, because of his footwork. He does a really good job of never staying in the same place, countering almost everything really effectively, looking pretty smooth out there. And his one loss in the UFC was to Shaman Rice. His only one loss before that was to a gentleman named George Hickman back in 2016. It was a split decision loss. I'm curious whether that was controversial or not. So Kyle Nelson, in his last fight, was able to get a takedown over Matt Sales in that second round. He was actually able to hold that top position for a little while, which is concerning. But he did end up submitting Kyle Nelson in the third round, to his credit. He's a Dominic Cruz protege. I, I'm going to favor him, even though I think Bryce Mitchell you know, may very well be something special as well here. What are your thoughts on that one? Um, I like, I was going to pick Bryce Mitchell. I love that fight with him and Moffitt. It's one of my favorite fights I've seen uh, this year. Um, so he was, he was going to be my go. I just, sorry, I was distracted. There's some late breaking MMA news from Ariel Hawani. That, What's that? Um, uh, Ortega is out of the fight with Korean zombie in South Korea. Um, so That's they unfortunate. Need a, it's unfortunate, but you know what? To our earlier conversation about Charles Oliveira. Is he stepping in? No. Uh, but I think he should. I would love that. <laughs> that would be fantastic. I, they don't know who's they don't know who's they don't know who's stepping in yet. But if any I think I think Oliveira I think Oliveira is the right guy for that fight. Coming off of that win, he took no damage. 
his style. They're they would have bonkers scrambles. You would see like, you know, I I don't know. They would I could see them their waist spinning all the way around trying to do like crazy subs to each other. Um, that's the fight. That's the fight I want to see. In fact, I will bet you five dollars that it is announced um, in the next three or four days that Charles Oliveira is taking that fight. Five dollars that that matchup will be announced by today's the fourth by the should we say by the eighth by Sunday is that fair Nick um I think I think you gotta wait till the middle of next week whoa 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 you said three or four days Nick I'm taking the bet no I know but I'm thinking about how the UFC thinks about news days and they might wait till Monday to announce it even if they've caught the contact of them so let's add another day to it all right I go however many days you want to give me I'll take Five dollar bet that by the ninth, by Monday the ninth, about a week, uh, almost almost a full week from now, five days, that that matchup will be announced. Okay, I like it. This will make this a little bit more fun. Um, I I think it's very likely. It's the move. It's the I, move. I totally agree. I couldn't agree with it's you more. You. Yeah, and and this is a good one for Oliveira to face a top fight, a top flight guy. I mean. Fighting the zombie in Korea, flying from Brazil, is. That's tough, you know, but I mean, someone's going to get on a plane. Yeah, agreed. I like it, Nick. I, I like the matchup. I, I like the quick recovery, Nick. I think you need to email Sean Shelby if you want to make this shit happen and, and take this $5 off my hands. I'm not doing his fi- Is he Was he going to pay me? I'm not going to do that bum you job. You damn right. Tell him, Nick. You tell him. Sean Shelby, if you're listening, I am a big fan and I respect you a great deal, even though I wasn't able to remember your name earlier in the episode. Thank you, sir. Now. Nick, we've made all of our picks, finally done with this. We're going to take a break, come back, talk about our betting recommendations, the MMA Geeks betting guide, Nick. We are back on the MMA Geek Seal of a Podcast here to give you guys our betting guide. Nick is going to take a flyer on this one. He is not placing any bets on this event. Um, I'm going to end up placing quite a few. I recommend $30 on Ricky Simona plus 127. Uh, that'll net you $38 if he picks up the victory. I kind of I believe in Calvillo over Rodriguez at plus 110. I like those odds. I'd recommend 50 bucks on her to win 55. I recommend a straight bet on Aspen Ladd at minus 155, $75 to beat Kunitskaya. Uh, you would win $48 if you bet 75 on that one. And then I recommend a couple of parlays. Tim Means and Ben Rothwell, $50 to win $70 on that combination. Ricky Simone and Matt Sales, $16 only to win $49. I like the odds there. Uh, I realize it's a risky parlay, but to only risk $16 and to have the potential to win $49, I like that a lot. I'm also going to recommend kind of a weird parlay with Overeem and uh, that 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 new guy that kind of took it on short notice, Kilburn. That's right. Um, a bet on Overeem and Kilburn in a parlay. I recommend nine dollars, and that's going to win you forty-seven bucks if for some reason uh, Kilburn and Overeem are able to pull it off. Nick, that's going to be it for my betting for the week. But I, I do think we should quickly cover the two major matchups that have recently been announced. We've got. Uh, the lightweight title on the line between Khabib Nurmagomedov going up against Tony Ferguson. And then we've got a Conor McGregor matchup with Donald Cerrone to talk about quickly as well. Uh, first of all, obviously, Tony Ferguson is the rightful number one contender. Uh, are you as excited about this one as I am? Are you hoping these guys stay in styrofoam until the fight so that they can not get injured and make this one happen on the fifth try? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I'm a little nervous. I'm a, I'm a Khabib mark, so I really want to see... Uh, I like I like the dominant champions, so um, I'd love to see Khabib uh, win the fight and essentially, um, you know, uh, clean out the division. But uh, Kukui's tough. He had a great quote yesterday on Ariel Hawani's show. I can I can I can perform it for you if you'd like. Please do. This is uh, I'm not going to do Tony's voice, but this is Tony on Khabib. <laughs> I'm I'm in this dude's head. He's going to train so hard, and he's going to be so nervous. He's going to make a mistake. I'm going to capitalize on that. 
I'm going to catch him during the scrambles. Scrambled eggs, baby. It's what's for breakfast. I told everybody, <laughs> I told everybody, I'm going to make him piss blood. <laughs> Bad fucking ass. I will say about Tony Ferguson, like, I kind of thought he was crazy for a little bit there, but that interview, like, he was pretty on point. He's weird, right? He's a wacky, wacky, odd dude. He does the craziest, weirdest exercises with the most dangerous things possible. But, man, he's got a certain genius about him. He's he's a fascinating guy. Both yeah, of these... I love both. I love both of these guys. Yep. Um, we've just seen we've seen Tony Ferguson. You know, we've seen him in trouble three or four times in uh, in his UFC career, and we've not really seen Khabib in any like real trouble. No, but when Connor was having good moments against Khabib, it was because of his pressure, and when Khabib fought Ally Quinta. He didn't look so great down the stretch. Now, I know that was one of those weird situations where Ally Quinta was a last-minute replacement for Khabib, and I know that messes with the fighter. I get that. But just the fact that down the stretch he looked like he was beatable, the fact that he lost the third round to Conor McGregor, I think those are openings for, for the Tony Ferguson type exactly. Both of these guys are 12 wins deep in a row in the UFC. That is unheard of at lightweight at 155 pounds, arguably the toughest division on the entire planet. And I would even, I would go as far as to make the argument that Tony Ferguson, despite the fact that Khabib holds the title, has the better wins. He's got wins over Cerrone, Pettis, a former champion, Lee, Kevin Lee, who's, you know, uh, was at a good point in his career when he lost to Tony. Rafael Dos Anjos, a former champion. He's got a win over Edson Barboza, who Khabib has a win over as well. Uh, Josh Thompson from back I, in the day. I don't know. Gleason Tebow, he, he... I think it's about, I think it's about the same. I think it's about the same. Well, I just feel like for for Khabib, it was Poirier, Connor, Edson, and Dos Anjos. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's Dos, not far Dos, That's it, it is <laughs> that's not far off. Pretty good run. That is that that is fair to say, but uh, it did take him quite a bit longer to amass that run. Dos, the Dos Anjos win goes back to 2014, and he's fought one, two, three, seven times since then. Whereas where he was hurt for a long time. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. Whereas uh, Tony's put together something like. 10 or 12 fights in that in that time frame. So, yeah, they're com- comparable records. I do think that if Khabib takes rounds off, if he's tired by any means, um, he's going to be in trouble. And I also think that Tony does an insane amount of damage off of his back. You can be on top of him. You can hold him down, no problem. He'll give you a couple of rounds of that. But that whole time, you're taking elbows. You are defending Darce jokes. You are constantly working through scrambles. Can Khabib's cardio really stand up to that? I think... If Khabib gets this victory, that's all I need to know to declare him the greatest lightweight in the UFC's history. Uh, but that goes the same for Tony, man. If Tony can pull this off, uh, this would be a monumental victory that places him among the greatest of all time in the sport, I think. A fantastic yep. matchup. I'm super excited about it, man. I mean, uh, regardless, got- of who win- regardless of who wins this fight, they're two of the greatest of all time. I agree. I just think the winner of this fight will have a clear claim to being the greatest single lightweight in, in the division history. I really do. And quite we frankly... We have to wait five months for it. I know, I know. That's the only unfortunate thing. But in the meantime, we have Conor McGregor and Donald Cerrone in like a month and a half to entertain us. And this yeah. is a particularly interesting one because McGregor had the choice between Justin Gaethje and Donald Cerrone and a couple of others, and he chose the guy that he thought, I think, that he had the best chance to beat and a guy that, quite frankly, brings a lot of name value. They're doing it at 170, Nick. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think, I mean, I think it's very clear what's going on. Um, Gagey's probably a more dangerous fight. And where does it get him? He wins that fight. And at 155, he gets to lose to Khabib again. If Khabib wins, like, um, that's no good. Because Connor's not, I don't think Connor's ever going to beat Khabib. I don't think he's the kind of fighter to beat Khabib. Um, but at 170, like, Connor's a businessman. He's a money weight now. And the biggest money fight in the world at this time is George Masvidal. So this is a gatekeeper fight. This is a get right fight as much as much as there, he's going to get one um, to set up him against Masvidal next summer. I, I, that's what I believe. Um, and that doesn't mean that Cerrone is a pushover. If Cerrone at 170, if Cerrone cannot start slow, if Cerrone can um, have a sneaky, stra- a crafty way to get this to the ground, I don't know if he can. I don't. He's not the, he's not the the power double 
kind of guy, and I don't know if he's if he I don't know if his shots are going to be um, are going to be good enough. But if if Cerrone approaches this fight as a wrestler and jujitsu practitioner first, I think he could have a I think he could have a shot. If he if he stands there and trades with Connor, I think that Donald takes too too long to warm up, and that it'll look a lot like the Gagey fight where he gets hurt badly quick. I think it's close, but it's most likely that Connor's going to take that fight and then fight Masvidal. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you here. It is kind of a, a weird style matchup, and that Cerrone's been getting knocked out lately, specifically at 155 pounds. Right, he's he's couldn't take that shot from Justin Gaethje, and then he got overwhelmed by Tony Ferguson, whose pressure style and cardio are just on a different stratosphere. Conor McGregor, I think he really only has that left hand, and I think it's a big mistake to have picked this fight at 170 because Cerrone won't be cutting nearly as much weight, and I think it's harder for Cerrone to make that 155-pound weight limit. I think Cerrone is going to be able to take better shots and survive that first round, and once he survives that first round, I think Conor McGregor might be in a lot of trouble. So really, the the, the trigger on this matchup for me is whether or not Cerrone can keep from taking a clean left hand a few times in the first round. If he can do that, or if he can survive a knockdown, he should be able to do his thing here, man. Like Connor has serious power, and don't get me wrong, he's got more than one round of cardio, but he's a true finisher mostly in that first round. Cerrone's going to be the bigger man here. And we saw how Connor did against Nate Diaz, who, in my opinion, is not really as good as Cerrone, even though he did beat him many years ago. Um, he's more durable than Cerrone, to his credit, and that makes a difference. I just think the Cerrone that beat uh, Anthony Hernandez, the Cerrone that's looked overall pretty solid at 170 outside of the very elite opponents, I think he has a solid chance of winning this fight. Having said I think, that, I realize that... Go on. I think he does too, but he's got he's got to threaten with the takedown. He's got to have Connor thinking about that. If he stands there and has a gunslinger fight, he's going to get floored. I couldn't agree with you more, especially in that first round. If he can score an early takedown, I think it can make a difference. McGregor's got decent takedown defense, but I actually think uh, uh, for some reason, Cerrone's opponents don't ever expect a takedown from him, even though he's got a bunch in the UFC at this point. Really clean double legs, really effective. Uh, part of what makes it effective is the fact that he's truly dangerous standing up, and it, once guys start thinking about that, they're an easy takedown for a guy with his skill level. So yeah, I, I do see an opportunity for Cerrone to honestly finish with a head kick late in the fight or a submission in the, in the middle of the fight. Either of those are very possible, but you gotta you gotta give a lot of credit to the fact that Cerrone does not do well against opponents that get into his head, and Connor's gonna get into his head. Not only that, but Cerrone's coming off of a horrible knockout loss, and Connor McGregor is a knockout fighter. So some interesting variables going both ways. A fight that'll keep us entertained as we patiently wait for Khabib and Tony to hopefully make it to fight night uh, on this occasion. We all know they've tried to make that matchup four times in the past and it hasn't worked out, Nick. Um, going to be some pretty exciting things happening, not only this weekend, but in the long term. And I'm looking forward to that, hoping that Cerrone can come through with the victory and that Khabib and Tony is everything we've dreamed about. It's almost like the fact that those matchups were so close to being made. We we were literally one day away at one point from seeing that fight happen. Uh, I just think it's going to build the anticipation for at least hardcore fans. And I think this will be a good test to see just how much of a star Khabib has become since that Conor McGregor victory. Uh, we don't get the UFC pay-per-view buy rates anymore, so it's really hard to tell. But I'm curious what the buzz will be like leading into this matchup. Yeah. Well, and we've got a big we've got a big card next week, too, to talk about. Yes, yes, we do, Nick. So uh, are you ready to give me your Dawson login yet? Should we? We'll talk offline. All right. You're going to do that stupid FaceTime thing where I have to watch it through your phone. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Nikolai, <laughs> another good one in the books. Looking forward to next week where I get to gloat about another victory and hopefully some winnings on the betting side of things. Have a good one, Stan. I'll talk to you on Saturday and we'll uh, reconvene next week to talk about Usman versus Covington. God, I hope Colby gets murdered. Oh, we have some big things coming up. That's right. It's a pay-per-view next week. It's a pretty good one, man. I'm looking forward to that. I look forward to breaking that down. I actually very much look forward to watching tape because I see paths for either guy to win. It just really depends on it depends on a couple of specific variables. I look forward to watching tape on this one because I do see a chance for Colby to win the fight. Um, 
more of a chance, I think, than a lot of people see because they can't see past the hate for Colby. Uh, I just think he, he is a decent fighter, even though he doesn't have power or a whole lot of athleticism. But Kumar Usman has power. He's super athletic and he's an exemplary wrestler. So, interesting matchup. Looking forward to breaking it down for our dozens and dozens next week. Uh, speaking of which, dozens and dozens, let some folks know about the podcast. If you like us, if you think we bring some value and entertainment to your life, please share it with friends and family that are into MMA. We would love to spread the word and, and you know, get a little bit more of a followership so that I can boast about that on top of all the other shit in life that I look forward to boasting about. Everybody like